0: I guess the uh, first thing I need to say I want to just thank everybody For so many things that that you've that you've done for me and my family And for the encouragement uh, that you've given us I want to thank everybody who made it possible for me to skip church for three weeks and uh, And I want to Thank you for um, helping me. There were some of you that I reached out to during moments when my stress level was high, when uh, I, was, I was experiencing anxiety, and I was, um, <clears throat> or when I didn't know what was going on. And so I reached out to, to some of you that, that uh, know a little bit about the experiences that my family have just recently been through. And, uh, and so I thank you for that. And that's what, that's what this fellowship is all about. That's why we have this. And if you're new here or, uh, you know, if you've been gone for a little while, I want you to know that this connection here, this blessing that God gives us in the gift of one another, uh, makes a difference in, in times like what we've just been through. Now, for those of you, who, and there could be some of you saying, wait a second, what's he talking about? Okay. It's, it's worth telling, and I'm going to tell it very briefly here because there are some things I want to point out to mention where God has been at work, and so this is something of a, of a brief testimony. Uh, on November 14th, Karen and I set out for Europe, and our goal was to go over there and encourage missionaries in Europe, and they were gathering for a uh, retreat in uh, Rotenburg, Germany. And along the way, we were going to pick up our sister, Gina Belote. She's one of those missionaries that Rick Carson was talking about. She grew up here. She's working with the church in Bulgaria now. And we were going to pick her up, and we were going to take her there and uh, get her involved in, in what other missionaries are going through. Uh, and, and by the way, the day we were due to pick her up was the, the day right after the second uh, government decision by the Bulgarian government to put boundaries and limitations on religious freedom, and so there was a lot of discouragement for her and the church in Bulgaria. <clears throat> we 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 got there. We uh, uh, we arrived at Frankfurt. We traveled. Uh, Karen and I said, "Let's travel across the country. We'll pick that way. We can pick Gina up in Munich, and then we'll drive back midway between Frankfurt and Munich." and this will be a good excuse to drive, see uh, more of Germany than just the airport. And along that drive, we stayed overnight, and then the next morning, and I'm, I'm waking up on jet lag time about four in the morning, I get a text from my sister who says, Dad is in the ER, he has a blood infection. Uh, that's how it started. And the, the interesting Story of what happens to my father is that he 's got a construction project going on at his house, and he was clearing out some wood and he stepped on a nail and uh, it started causing problems. He is diabetic, he got an infection, he was feeling badly, and he went to the, to the ER and in the ER he passed out and they did a test and they found out he had had a heart attack, and so they moved him over to the Washington Regional Hospital. And now I'm on the phone with my sister discussing all of this. The cardiologist comes in and says, listen, he's going to have to have bypass surgery. So at that point, it, it's, the, it's the beginning of a new day for us in Europe. And, and Karen and I are struggling to figure out, okay, how are we going to do all this? What's going to happen? So we decide, okay, we've got to back up our plans. We need to return home early. And the earliest that, that we can feasibly get back is on, is on Sunday. And, uh, and if these days are getting all confused in your head and you're trying to keep a timeline, don't, don't, don't. They're, they're so totally confused. It's like one day Jeannie's shaking her head. She knows it's like one day becomes the next day becomes the next day. You just go with it. You just go with it. And that's why if you were following my post on Facebook, I turned things into the next mission, the next mission, the next mission. And as it happened, then the next mission, all we could do, I could sit around and worry about all the things that I couldn't do. But the next thing we could do was go pick Gina up at the airport. And then when we got Gina, the next thing we could do is go to the retreat. And since I couldn't leave, I went ahead and gave my first lesson to the people there. And they were so encouraging. That group of missionaries who who are are sharing the gospel throughout Europe in, in so many different places, they're so encouraging. And some of them came to me and they said, I went through this same experience. He's going to be okay. Or, or they would uh, say, we're just praying. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm pretty well convinced after talking to all of our other missionaries, when I got back to the States and I told Dad, I said, Dad, we've got people praying for you in every continent except Antarctica. Now, if we can get Antarctica, then, then we'll have all seven. Uh, but we were pretty sure that that was the case. And um, some of them were people that we know through the churches. Some of them were people he knows through the military. But uh, meanwhile, we pick Gina up. We have some encouragement there. We get her to the retreat. And um, I was texting her parents. And and I want you all to know this because you support Gina. Gina showed up at this this retreat in Germany. And it's like, I don't know. It's like she was the the, the prom queen. I mean, she just... All of a sudden, everybody was just like, oh, we want to meet Gina. Oh, we want to meet Gina. And, and I guess they'd heard about her or something like that. But she's in Bulgaria, and and they've all heard about Bulgaria, and they're all excited about it. And then she has a lot of people coming up to her saying, we want to go to Bulgaria. We've been thinking about going to Bulgaria. And uh, travel to Bulgaria is very cheap for people in Europe. And so this started setting things in motion to where there's people all over Europe who may come and encourage that church in Bulgaria that really needs it because they, they remain sort of socially and politically isolated where they're at. And so Gina becomes very popular at this whole thing, and it's just wonderful. And she, just, she, just, she she does a great job getting to know people. She makes friends. If you follow her on Facebook, she's got all these friends now. But one of the things that happened, and I'm staying in touch with the organizers of this uh, event Uh, fellows that some of you all know one of them is a guy named Scott Young from uh, Oklahoma City the other one is Phil Jackson who uh, is normally in DFW but he works throughout Europe as an encourager to missionaries and I'm staying in touch with them and, and, and Gina and finding out that they put together this little meeting and the people from the nations that surround Bulgaria were getting together and having one night of the retreat, they were, they were going to get together and have a, uh, a little meeting. Now, we, we called it by different names. They called it the, the Baltic uh, States missionaries, and I was calling it the, the Balkans. And I don't know if that's technically accurate, but I'll tell you why I like Balkans. Because Balkans, it, it, when you talk about something being Balkanized or it's Balkan, that means it's all divided and chopped up and nobody works together and they're always out to get each other. You know, and sounds like a lot of churches that we knew growing up. And, uh, and, and I like that because now they're actually turning the tide on that. And they're all getting together. And then I find out this is the first time that's ever happened. And Gina's using the gifts that God gave her. and he's used, And the others who are there are using the gifts that God gave them. And for the first time, these nations that are right next door to each other are sort of talking about plans of how can we be here at just such a time when refugees from the Middle Eastern world are starting to come through their countries to get into Europe. Big things are happening. God things are happening. And so it's all exciting and I hope we'll get to see more about that and hear more about that. What was really tough then in some ways was that we had to leave all that. I gave my lesson. We got back here. People helped me when we got back here. It was a long journey home. We got back Sunday night. Uh, Kate and Rachel gave me a... a a lift to uh, Fayetteville. The last time I drove jet lagged was in 1987, and uh, I uh, destroyed a mailbox and almost killed myself, so I wasn't doing that again. And uh, and this time I had the good sense. Uh, Rick and Dina brought me my truck, and that you know you couldn't. I couldn't get home to my own bed, but it was nice to have my own truck. So it was that was a gift of kindness, and right there. So for the next two weeks, I spent time in the hospital. My dad was going through all of this—the—the uh, uh, the, the surgery, which is massive—and I'm learning about that. It is a, for those of you who've been through it. I—I I, I, boy, I have all sorts of newfound respect for you. It is a—it's uh, a brutal surgery uh, when you're 73 diabetic and have kidney disease on top of it. It's even more brutal. And uh, but he's tough. And and then. It's also difficult for our family because my mom is very confused in all of this, and she doesn't understand everything that's going on, and so we're we're taking care of her too. But once again, God shows his goodness in that we're using this as an opportunity to address some of her health concerns, and during the surgery, while the, a very kind chaplain with the hospital came and talked to us, uh, she was asking us what happened, and I... We, we got to talking and again, you, you, you meet people along the way and you find these opportunities to give encouragement and to talk about the gospel and to talk about things we know. And as we're talking about the history and the medical uh, dimensions of all this, which I have no idea what that is. And thank you to my friends who helped me with that. I told this chaplain, I said, you know, I said, his life really is saved because of an unfortunate situation with a nail. Put that in your theology, and she's like, "Yeah, we can we can unpack that sometime." Um, you find these moments in, a, in an experience like this, where you see God at work, and uh, I think it's something that we need to do whenever we gather together: is share that. Um, the good news is today he's doing a little better. Every day's a little better. He's home. Uh, we're getting things addressed. I'm going to be going back and forth. You can always reach me. It's not like I'm going to be out of touch. But we're making adjustments. And, uh, again, I just want to thank everybody for your encouragement and your support along the way. Uh, It means a lot. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm so thankful for this family, this spiritual family that we have here. And all of us feel that support. And, Father, I pray today that if there's anyone who can't feel that support right now, or doesn't, or doesn't know that it's there. And I confess, Lord, there's been times that that I took it for granted, that I didn't see it. And I repent of that, Lord, because it, it's it truly is your spirit at work among us that brings us strength and courage, encouragement, and protects us from the discouragements of the world. And Father, I ask that you would help us to Embrace what you've given us here and to share it with others. And Father, I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this is the, or just, I'm, I, I, don't worry. I, I, like, oh boy, he's 15 minutes into it and hadn't even started. No, I've chopped this in half. And this is the first half of the lesson that I gave to the missionaries in Rotenburg. Because I, I think recycling is important. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna save the planet. So I, we can, we can recycle sermons too. And it, um, yeah. no, I just think it's good material. It really is good material. Brent led us in some songs today about this phrase: "Be strong and courageous." I want to show you where this is in Scripture, because I think I think it's very important for the lives that we live as His people and the lives that we live together. First of all, I want to go a little word nerd on you here and talk about two words that I think we overlook. Encouragement and discouragement. We've made these words rather benign. You know, we want to encourage you. Oh, okay, that sounds great. Please encourage me. And I've been using these words a lot lately. And I've been using them with this new awareness. And we use the word discourage. And discourage we use as sort of a uh, softer Word for don't do that. You know, like, uh, I want to discourage your plans to be dating that person. You know, what you're really saying is don't date that person. That person's a jerk. You know, don't, don't hang out with them. But instead, if you want to be very gentle and not come off as a uh, know-it-all and a busybody, you just say, well, I would discourage that. Okay, that, that's a very soft interpretation of discourage. And the word's actually much more menacing than that. I hope you'll see after this is all over. You'll notice that what's different about it is the prefix, in versus dis. And it comes from the word courage, which we get from um, the old French language. And courage has something to do with the heart. And not just the the blood-pumping heart, the organ that my dad had bypasses on a couple of weeks ago. But the inner Core of your being, that heart. It means your spirit, your temperament, your state of mind. Church, how many times do we come together and at this meeting that we call worship, we talk about attitude and we talk about uh, our mind and what we're learning and our frame of mind. And sometimes we act as if. Attitude is something that we can adjust and and, and tamper with. And, And maybe if we just sing the right songs, read the right scriptures, have a pep rally, three cheers for Jesus, and we're all encouraged. It doesn't always work that way. When you look at the word encouragement, there's something even much deeper than how I feel. It has to do with the core of my being and who I am. And if you look at all languages, words that have to do with the heart or even your insides, we would say in, in Arkansas, your innards, okay? Those have to do with your strength and your emotion and what's going on inside. Therefore, discourage means to deprive someone of courage. Oh. That's much more serious than a little bit of a denial that says, I really don't think that's a good idea. I would discourage that. No, that means I am about to drain you of whatever courage, good attitude, strength of mind, or temperament, strong temperament you might have. I'm going to take it away. I'm going to dishearten you. The meaning to express approval or disapproval doesn't come about until later. So I want you to think about these two words and then ask this question. Stop just for a second and think about this. Does God really care if we are encouraged or not? How many times do you get up on a Sunday and come here and, and ask yourself, does God really care if I'm going to be encouraged today? I mean, does it really matter to God that I'm going to be encouraged that I am going to have my spiritual inner self strengthened, that my, my heart, my frame of mind, my spirit, my attitude is going to be built up. God, and again, we might think, well, yeah, I think that God would certainly be all in favor of that. But do we sometimes tell ourselves or work under the assumption that, well, God doesn't really care whether that's the case. I've got to do what God said no matter what. Fake it till you make it, you know. Got to act better than you feel. That's what you got to do. God, I don't like anything that you're doing around me or anything you've done for me lately. Uh, Life is just really uh, in the garbage can right now, but that's okay. I'm going to follow your instructions because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm not encouraged, God, but I'm going to do it. And really we start to develop, I think, an assumption that God could really care less whether we're encouraged or not. Sometimes we might think that, well, God's okay with this, but maybe the other people in the church don't understand, and maybe we're just doing this because we're supposed to. This week and next week, I want to try to convince you that God does indeed care that you're encouraged. He wants you to be encouraged. Now, if you're struggling, I don't know how, you know. maybe that hits you and you're like, oh, good, I'd like to see how that comes about, because maybe that's what you've always thought, and you're like, oh, it'd be interesting to see why we can be so confident about that. Or maybe you're still struggling with that, saying, no, I don't know, you know. Well, all right, then there's a challenge. Let's get to it. First of all, I want you to think about the song we just sang that comes from this verse in Deuteronomy. This is Moses giving his farewell speech to the people of Israel. They'll go into the promised land, he won't. And this became the words of one of the songs that we sang. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. He's talking about the enemies. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Now, what Moses says to the people right there becomes a theme. It becomes a phrase that gets uttered again and again. And we and, and I want to stop for a second again, be a little bit of a word nerd and look at this. Notice that the words are like a command. Be strong. That's an encouragement, and it's also a command, it's an imperative. Be courageous. And we hear those words in English, and, and there's, a, there's very much a, a physicality to those words in Hebrew. The word be strong means get a grip. That, that, that's one way you could translate it in English, I think. Um, and especially if you're like me and not a Hebrew scholar, because you can get away with it. And who's going to argue with me? Okay, so but there is there is a meaning of that word where it has to do with seizing on something. And be courageous means continue to grow strong, to make something firm. It means set the foundation. Uh, that word for courageous is used in, in other passages where... The famine in in Egypt grows stronger. It you know and, and here the idea of being having courage means that internally we are getting more and more fixed and set and determined. And there's a physicality to this. One of the sports that my dad did when he was younger is he used to do wrestling. And I remember that he would tell me about wrestling. One of the things is your footing is so important. And you don't want anybody to take you off your your footing because if they do, then they get the advantage. And so you have to get set. You have to get established and and you have to have a strong footing. And, And that's very important in this attitude towards courage and and by the way the other words then don't be afraid don't be terrified the word for don't be afraid has to do with your limbs shaking it's kind of cartoony in a way but that's what happens when you get afraid you you shake you lose your your grounding and if you think of people going into battle they get scattered they get afraid and they run away and the word for terrified here, some of your translations are going to say, "Do not be dismayed, dismayed." Again, I'm, I'm just me. It just seems like one of those little soft, gentle words, like, "How are you today?" I'm dismayed. Well, that's that's sad. He's dismayed. Okay, the word really means to be shattered, broken. He's saying, "Do not get shattered." And if you think about it, who's Moses talking to? Not just individuals, but to a people. And so he's saying to a collection like this, hold your ground. Don't get broken up. Don't get divided. Why? Because the Lord your God goes with you. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. You see the theme continue in Joshua. In Joshua 1, Joshua says this three times. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And each time that Joshua says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. He'll give another meaning to it. And we're just going to catch the theme here. It comes up again when David is talking to Solomon about building the temple. A place where the people of God are going to come together and they're going to worship and they're going to remember. They're going to be encouraged. They're going to be strengthened as a people. He says, Then, Solomon, you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and laws that the Lord gave Moses for Israel. Be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged. What does Solomon have to be strong about? David's been in battle. Why does Solomon have to be brave? Because Solomon's about to lead the people through a building project. And I'm going to tell you after this year, boy, you do need strength and courage. I'm happy to see what we've got out there. That's brilliant. That's lovely. That is great. But you know, sometimes when we're all waiting for something to get done... We're starting to get, well, dismayed. Oh, when are the bathrooms going to be open? You know, we're just all like, oh, when are they gonna be done? You know? We're dismayed. We get shattered, we get broken up, we start fussing, we get we get unreasonable. And here he says, be strong, be courageous, don't be afraid or notice a little twist, discouraged. See, the enemy can use anything to discourage us, to By the way, that word that that Moses used here can also mean to melt away your courage. To melt it away like wax. Boy, we can just get drained of our courage and resolve so quickly if we're not connected to God's encouraging spirit. Uh, He says the same thing. Uh, uh, David also said to Solomon, Be strong and courageous. Do the work. This is why I was encouraged when the mission changed when we were in Europe. It wasn't the vacation or the trip or the mission that we planned, but it's the one we ended up with. So what did we do? We did the work. We did what we could. Just get to the next mission. Get Gina at Munich. Get her to Rotenburg. Introduce her to people. Let them continue their work. We get home. Take care of the family. You do the work. And you can do that work knowing that even if the circumstances change, that doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. I can even see where, you know, Karen and I not being there for Gina in Rotenberg, God can turn that into a good thing because he says, now I really do need you to rely on these other people and they need to rely on you. Okay, God can use it. Is that what he intended? I don't know. But you do your work. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. In other words, God is going to see it through. Um, look at these banners we've got up over here. Uh, oh, and, and, you know, it says that God prepared us to do good works and uh, things that he prepared for us to do. If you look at the context of those verses It will go on to say that God is not going to quit until he has accomplished what he intends to do in us. God doesn't leave us to it and then come back and grade us. Well, he didn't do a very good job there. He didn't do a very good job there. And so when we get discouraged with this idea that God has left us a project and we have to figure it out. And we have to show him just how wonderful we are. Watch out because that's setting us up for failure and discouragement. Notice here, too, that David says, The Lord God, my God, is with you. Why would he say that? Because David knows what it's like to have God continue on with him. And that's what we need. I'll, I'll venture to guess that there's, with very few exceptions, that most of you here are older than somebody else. Okay? Most of you. There's a few of them. And the ones who are not older than somebody else don't even know what I'm saying. So wherever you're at, there's someone younger than you that you can encourage because you've had a few more experiences seeing what God can do. Do that for them. That's why we encourage one another. That's why we get together of all ages. Hezekiah even uses this theme when he tells his people not to be afraid of Assyria. you know that telling them not to be afraid of Assyria is like saying, listen, don't be afraid. Every other nation in the world is about to launch nuclear missiles on us, but don't be afraid. Oh, yeah, great. Thanks, Thanks Hezekiah. You know, Why did we ever vote for you? Oh, wait, we didn't vote for you. Uh, the, uh, he says there's a greater power with us than him. And we can lose our courage when we think that all the things that are going bad in the world are more powerful and more enduring than our God. They are not. Keep that in mind. This theme comes up over and over again. You see, Paul, he doesn't say the exact same words. Paul's writing in Greek. 1 Corinthians 16, he's closing up the letter to a very broken up and dismayed and troubled church. And what does he have to say to them? Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. That's be strong. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. And you start to get a picture of what it looks like for the church to stay in the battle and to stay in this fight. And in Acts 9, you see an image of the church, one that maybe we haven't seen in a while. This is as the church is growing. It's going beyond Jerusalem. You know, we look at that early church in Jerusalem after the day of Pentecost, and we look at all the things that they do, and we say, yeah, we need to be just like that. They're getting together, they're, 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 they're sharing meals together, they're sharing everything in common, they're gathering together, they're observing the Lord's Supper, they're praying. We need to do those things and we look at it in terms of what we need to do. But what about what God is doing? Well, right here you see a picture of what God is doing because the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria, you know, a pause. Do you understand that these are very different kinds of people? That these are people who don't get along otherwise. This is like the stories that we get out of the church in Bulgaria where the Bulgarians and the, the Roma, or they're sometimes called the gypsies, and I think that may be offensive, but that's but what you know. The, the, the Bulgarians and the Roma uh, come together, but everywhere else, they don't. There's animosity between those two cultures. But in the church, they come together. There's peace there. And that actually becomes a witness and convinces people That God's power is real. And so here you've got Judeans and Samarians who do not get along at all. But they're coming together in the church. And they're enjoying a time of peace. And they are strengthened. They're getting courage. They, They live in the fear of the Lord. And they are encouraged by the Holy Spirit. Now, if courage has to do with that inner spirit, with that inner heart, with that attitude, then the Holy Spirit is the ultimate encouragement. That's what really strengthens us. And the result is it increases in numbers, the church. The church increases in numbers. You know, we sometimes look at the church as having sort of two missions. Uh, There's the encouragement part, the evangelism part. David wrote a book on this, excellent book. You should check it out. And, and I think one of the things that, that David helped me understand was that, you know, typically we come at that thinking that those two are in contradiction to each other. We all need to go out and work and do evangelism, and boy, is that tough. But while we're at it, let's do a little bit of encouragement. And so we have to balance these things, you know. So we're like, we need to have a gospel meeting and go out and knock doors and get everybody to come in. Whew, that was a lot of work. Now let's all go on a ski trip. And so we're never really sure what the church is supposed to be doing, you know. It's one or the other. And then, you know, you feel guilty, you're not covering it. Okay, in, in David's book and, and really here in Scripture too, you see that those two are not contradictory. They come together. They're linked together. Because the real encouragement comes not just from, you know, doing whatever we want, but it comes from the Holy Spirit. And we fellowship in that Holy Spirit when we come together on Sunday, when we come together any other time, whenever the church gathers. Next Sunday night, we're having carols and cocoa and, you know, or is it cocoa and carols? Which one comes first? Cocoa? All right. Get your cocoa before your carols. Carols and cocoa, that's a very, that's wrong. That's sinful. But we're going to do cocoa and carols. And so, but it's, but the point of it is, is, we're going to encourage one another, and in doing that, you're also encouraging others who may not know about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Invite them, and look, lo and behold, if it doesn't just all come together, and the church increases as it's encouraged with the Holy Spirit. Leslie Newbegin is a uh, missionary writer. He uh, did uh, missions in India for, uh, uh, for decades in the 1970s, and he said that, the way the church in India started to form was they didn't build up a building and then check people at the door and everybody in the building is a member and everybody out there is not. He said instead what they would do is they would hang a lantern out in, the, uh, out in the courtyard, out in the city somewhere, and the church would gather together around that lantern. There's no firm boundary. But as people began to hear the gospel, they would listen in from the edges and then they would come closer and closer. And the church just started to expand from the center and the boundary kept moving out, increasing in numbers. That's how the Spirit grows a church. I want to pick up on this next week, and return to this question, does God really care if we are encouraged or not? If God wants to grow His church, and He does, and if God wants to increase the number of people who know Him, and He does, and He wants to be known by them, then don't you think He wants us, His church, whether we're you know, members, whether we're the, the freshest, newly baptized members or we've been in the church so long, we're growing mold. I mean, I think God wants us to be encouraged. And, and, and here's why being strong and being courageous matters and, and why it's important. It shows, first of all, that we trust in God how do you lose your courage? How do you get discouraged? Start trusting in things other than God. Start trusting in people. Start trusting in wealth. Start trusting in techniques. Start trusting in other things that are going to let you down and you will be discouraged. But trust in God and you will be encouraged. Don't surrender to fear. When we surrender to fear, we make fear of God. When we start absorbing stuff and we look at all the things that can make us afraid. Or maybe you're saying like me, you know, I'm not afraid, I'm just angry. Yeah. Well, okay. Pick your God. Is it fear or is it anger? You give into that, you've just found a false God that you're going to devote yourself to. Don't surrender to it. Be strong. Be courageous. And when we keep his will and when we keep his ways, we are learning what it means to walk arm in arm on the path of peace. You know, you see all these Stories of riots going on in the news right now everywhere. And you'll see what the police will do when they will you know, be doing riot control, right? They'll link arms. And then they'll walk as one group. That's because if they break that, then someone's going down. Somebody's going to get wiped out. Church, what we are spiritually is a group of people who have our spiritual arms linked. And God goes with us. And we grow in his mission. We're going to come back to these four points next week. But right now, what I want you to know is, is that God wants you to be encouraged. What can encourage you this morning? What about the news that in Jesus Christ, your life doesn't, doesn't stop at 98.6 in breathing? You know, one of the statements that I had to hold on to as uh, dad went into surgery, and even the days before I got back there to see him was I thought, you know, he might not survive this surgery. And I wouldn't see him again here, but I would see him again because of Jesus Christ when God makes all things right. That's, a, that's, a, you know, that's tough to think about, but at the same time, it is an encouragement that if we truly believe that, it changes what we do every day. So how will you be encouraged to be a participant in the eternal life that is in Jesus Christ? To know that the worst things are not the last things? To know that there is support here? Well, we want to encourage you, but we want to encourage you in the Holy Spirit. There's going to be elders in this room right out here. Uh, we call it room 100. Uh, you could call it room 700. It doesn't matter, but it's right out there. It's a room out there. Uh, and, uh, and other than the library and the bathrooms, it's the only room out there now. Or you can just come down here and let somebody know or just talk to somebody today. But please... Let us find some way to encourage one.